Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast and the class today is dedicated in loving memory of Albert David Misraelava Shalom Lui Nishmat Avraham David Ben Yafa, sponsored by Linda and Morris Misriam family. The breakfast and the class is also dedicated in loving memory of Shimon Ben Sarvi and Rahamim Alema Shalom, sponsored by his son Isaac Simantov. The class and breakfast are also dedicated for Washington Ma of Meir Ben Adelia, sponsored anonymously. And as well, uh, in loving memory and Lilu Nishmat Esther Bat Victoria, Alea Shalom, sponsored by the Shwai family. All, the whole week of the Cobra was dedicated in loving memory of Sam Isai, Lilu Nishmat Shalomu Ben Rivka, Alea Shalom, sponsored by his son Isaac. Baruch Atah Adonai, Elohim Elech HaOlam, Shachol Niav Baruch. Okay, Rabotai. We've got something really beautiful for you today. And that is something that, if you look at the parasha that we're learning, we have something that sticks out. Uh, if you're paying attention, you'll notice a magnificent thing. And this is uh, the idea that was put forward by the Kutzka Rebbe. The Kutzka Rebbe was very, very, very famous for a lot of things, but nothing more than a piercing dedication to emet and to truth. To say things exactly as they are, not to overstate them, no hyperbole, to have the humility uh, it was unbelievable. Many of his teachings revolve around this uh, unbelievable uh, dedication to Emet. So he asks an, um, a fascinating question. We see in the beginning of the parasha, the Torah tells us that Abraham Avinu, you take a little bit of water, you know, wash off your feet, rest under the, you know, under the tree. Everyone, he's sitting there blowing them with the leaves like they're in the Bahamas. He puts a leaf around their neck, he's singing aloha, he's shaking like in front of them. You're imagining all the things that Abraham Avinu is doing for these, for, these, for these malachim. He prepares for them meat, he prepares bread for them. And in the end of the day, Rabotai, this entire act of chesed that uh, the Torah spends pasuk after pasuk after pasuk doing, actually it amounts to nothing. Because the malachim, like we said yesterday, they didn't need to eat it. And yet, we know that Abraham Avinu plants his tent at a crossroads in the desert. We know that he, he opens up for all the people that are passing by, Vayita, Eshel, our rabbis tell us, what's Eshel? He planted a tree. Who cares if he planted a tree? The answer is, Eshel is Achila, Shitiya. And Lina, he literally opens up a free hotel where you could eat and you could sleep and you could drink all for free. Ya'ani club med for orchim. Non-stop entertainment. Whatever you could need, Abraham opens for you. Asks the Kutzka Rebbe, I don't understand. When it comes to a chesed that was a non-chesed, nothing actually happened from the act. The Torah gives you all sorts of explanations, pisukim, and he's running, and there's animals, and there's bread, and there's this and there's that. And when it comes to the fact that Avraham builds an entire chesed factory, feeding men and women and children nonstop, what does the Torah give him? Eshel. It gives him an abbreviation of three letters. How could it be? I remember when I was a bachur in Eretz Israel, there was a, uh, a popular eatery with the yeshiva boys. It was called Eshel Avraham. It was in Jerusalem, and you remember it, at the top of Yirmiyahu. I don't know if it still, uh, if it still exists, <laughs> but the guys loved it. It was a very cheap place where you could get uh, shawarma and all, so, all things, uh, uh, you know, young yeshiva guy, okay? So the question is, why would it 
pump up a non-act of chesed. And when it comes to this unbelievable act of chesed, it does. It tells you eshel. How can that be? Good question, right? Mm-hmm. Rabotai, I want to share with you a magnificent uh, uh, question, which I think also answers this one and teaches us an unbelievable lesson. You know, Rashi says, when Avraham Avinu looked out and he saw these passers by, Rashi says, Kasavur, he thought that they were Aravi, that they were not angels, but rather that they were Arabs, Umishtachavim la'avak raglehem, and that they bowed to the dust on their feet. Now the question, uh, the question they ask is a very beautiful question. First of all, why does, Minwen Lewen, is that something that Arabs are famous for? Bowing down to the dust of their feet? We don't find that in any other place. So why exactly does the Rashi go out of his way? And does Avraham Avinu go out of his way to tell them to wash their feet? If that's not something which is associated with Arabs. Rabotai, this is unbelievable. The answer is so powerful. Avraham Avinu tells them to wash their feet. Why, Rashi says, since they bowed to the dust of their feet. He didn't want the Abu Dazara coming into his holy house. So he says, before you come into my house, wash dafka your feet. He doesn't say, wash your face, make, you know, clean your mustache. He tells them to wash the dust off their feet. Why he didn't want the Abu Dazara? Which Abu Dazara was this? Abu Tai. Every time the Gemara talks about the Arab merchants of that time, they are described as taya. Okay, what does that mean in Aramaic? It means they're traveling salesmen. Where else do we find this? Later on, when it comes to Yosef, there's traveling Arab merchants. Rashid tells us what they used to sell. They used to sell neft. Ironically, back then the Arabs were selling fuel. Until this day, the Arabs are selling fuel. Okay? So there's something unbelievable about this. We know that an Arab is a traveling salesman, at least at the time. But from where to where that he becomes someone that worships the dust of his feet? And the answer is, Abraham Avinu understood that a traveling salesman says what you imagine a traveling salesman to say. He sits down at the table and he's hacking with his friend. And he says, you know, I went to China and I got myself, I'm making the shirts for 30% cheaper than the next door neighbor. I'm killing it. The next guy says, oh yeah, that's nothing. I, instead of chi- traveling to China this time, I traveled uh, to, uh, uh, to, to, to uh, I don't know where, Senegal. I'm making shirts over there for half the price of China. The other guy says, well, it's true that you got to Senegal, you're cheaper than me. Vietnam. But at the same time, what you don't understand is that now I have a deal with Vietnam and Vietnam is connected with Cambodia. So not only am I producing over there, I get to sell my goods over there in Cambodia. And you don't know the, tra- the fact that it's hard to travel and be away from family. But you know, that traveling that I've done to Vietnam, to Cambodia, to Sri Lanka, it's unbelievable. I went to Mexico, I made three times the amount. Rabotai, a traveling salesman, he worships the dust of his feet. He thinks that the traveling that he's doing is what's bringing him his parnasah. That's what Abraham Avinu was saying. That if he's traveling salesman, you're going to come in here and you're going to talk at my table about how you traveled there and that's why you made money. You didn't make money because you traveled there. You made money because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted you to make money. That's why you discovered this seller in that place. You did not lose a shiduch because you didn't say the right things. 
you didn't say the right things because that was not your shiduch. You didn't not get the job because someone didn't put in a good word for you. Someone didn't put in a good word for you because God didn't want you to have that job. You're bowing to the dust of your feet and making that the prime owner of uh, the destiny of your life. That's Abu Dazara. Abraham Avinu was famous for being the person who was able to explain to people that the various powers of the world that they worshipped at the time, all of them, each one was fleeting. And although they thought that the sun powered this, and the moon powered that, and the rain powered something else, and the winds powered a third thing, Abraham Avinu was the one that said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is misovev lechol asibot. He's the one that makes them all twist, and one that makes them all run. Abraham Avinu therefore told them, don't bring that into my home. Wash your feet. Your travels didn't make you any richer, and your travels didn't make you any poorer. Fascinating. Rabutai, according to that, we understand the answer to the Kotzker's question. You know why the Torah spent all that time telling you about the great effort that Abraham Avinu put into an act that actually wasn't even a chesed at all? He didn't help the Malachim even a drop by serving them food. And you know why when Abraham Avinu does the most incredible acts of chesed and he feeds the entire population, all of the traveling people in his eshel, all he gets is an abbreviation, three letters, eshel, achilash dialina, answers the kutzker. Because the results of a person's actions are never in his capacity to control anyway. It doesn't matter if it turned out to be a chesed. It doesn't matter if it turned out to not be a chesed. What's my part in my life? Not achieving ends, but putting in effort. Ultimately, that hishtadlut is the only thing that I get to manage. I cannot make myself money. I could put in the effort. I cannot get myself a shiduch. I could put in the effort. I could clean myself up. I could speak nicely. I could treat someone to a beautiful dinner. I could make them think that I'm a good husband, at least until they marry me, right? There's lots of different things that I could do. I could try my best. But ultimately, the results are beyond my power. So therefore, the Kutzka says, the Torah goes through an entire litany of Abraham Avinu. In the end, it's not even a chesed. A lot of times, a person sees, they're giving tzedakah to someone, the guy comes hobbling on his... Uh, his crutches, you feel bad, you give him the money. As he's walking out of the synagogue, you see the guy take the crutches, he puts them in the back, he's walking into the taxi, no problem. You feel like a dib, you were swindled. What a chaval, I gave the money for tzedakah, and it wasn't even tzedakah. Don't worry, says the Torah. I decide where the money went to. You decide if it leaves your pocket. Fascinating. That's the Baal Chesed. What happens after that? How do I know? How can I possibly understand that? Rabotai, we learn that theme in this week's parasha again and again and again. We know that Abraham Avinu is challenged with the greatest challenge of all. He's challenged with the challenge of doing, of bringing his son to the Akedah. <clears throat> and what's fascinating to me is on the way to the Akedah, you know, this Satan is sitting up there in Shamaim having a conversation with God. He says, oh, look, he's bringing his son to the Akedah. Look, he's doing the, he's achieving the greatest uh, thing he could ever do. He's, you know, he's, uh, he's giving you everything, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Satan says, let me go and test him a bit. Let me see if he can kind of, if he can make it through me. The Satan goes down, says the Gemara. And he appears to Avraham Avinu. He appears in the form of a river. Avraham Avinu sees a river in front of him. It's blocking the path to the place where he's supposed to go for the Akedah. 
The Midrash tells us, Avraham Avinu sees the river, doesn't hesitate. He walks in the river, gets to his knees, to his waist, to his chest, to his neck, until it gets to his nose. And then the Pasuk says, The waters had reached his soul. And at that moment, Avraham could not go any further. The river disappeared. I learned two unbelievable lessons from this Midrash. Lesson number one. We like to think of the Yetzirah as some sort of voice on our shoulder. But we're learning from this Midrash is that the physical river that stood between him and the Misvah, that's also the Yetzirah. And the lack of a parking spot when you're trying to come to shul and you're getting more and more fed up because now you came early and you circled the block six times already and now you missed Baruch Shema and then you come into shul and then someone says to you, oh, you know, good morning. You're here early for Mincha and you're burning lava inside. It's your test. When you see a test, a person has to recognize. When you see a challenge standing between you and doing the right thing, the only response a person should have is to take one more step forward. Because when a person actually steps to the challenges that Borea Olam puts in front of him, he's doing all that he should. And if he's done all that he should, then the purpose of the impediment, the purpose of the Nisayon has been fulfilled. It's purposeless. There's no point anymore. You beat it. And once you beat it, what happens? It gets pulled away. It's fascinating. It does not say that Avraham Avinu went up to his nose and then he started swimming underwater. It doesn't say that. He went as far as he could go. You don't have to go further than you can go. The minute you hit that place where you've done everything you can, the river disappears. There are disappearing rivers in everybody's life. The challenge is, we look at the river, we think how deep it is, we remember how far much we could swim. We tell ourselves, I'm not going to make it. So we don't even bother stepping in. Ooh. But what would happen if we did? The Kutzke Rebbe tells us. You were never being measured by the results. The results were not in your hand. The effort's in your hand. Who gave you permission to not step into the river? I hear this from somebody all the time. Someone said to me, Rabbi, you know, I have a, a tremendous fight with a member of my family, with my own mother. And I don't know what to do. And I know she's the type of person, even if I ask her for forgiveness, she always sees it her way, she's not going to forgive me. It's very hard for me to go to speak to her. And I know anyway it's going to fail. If I know anyway it's going to fail, do I have an obligation to ask for forgiveness? It's an exercise in futility, which I always say would be a great name for a gym. Either way, he says it's an exercise in futility. Do I have to? I said to him, since when was the other person's choice to forgive you? When, since when was that part of your mitzvah? That was never in your hands. So you're telling me something which is completely unrelated material. Rabotai, this is true in marriages that we have. I'm going to give, I'm going to give, but the other person's not going to do it. What does that have to do with anything? If you're getting divorced, father, I'll get divorced. But if you're not getting divorced, you're here, you give everything. Who cares what they give? You promised to give everything. You didn't promise to give everything in the Kitubah, so long as she made me 
fantastic lahm ba'ajin. Doesn't say that in the ketubah. I never saw a ketubah that says, Ana ozin ve'eflach ve'okir, I'm going to do everything. Imhi osali lahm ba'ajin. I never saw that. Maybe from now on I'm going to give people some bad ideas. I'm going to get a beautiful, you know, ketubah. They make ketubahs today in all sorts of beautiful shapes. This new ketubah is going to be in the shape of a lahm ba'ajin. <laughs> Just to give over the spirit of the idea. Maybe that's what's going to happen. I don't know. Mechila to the woman that gets Laham Bajin Kituba. I take full responsibility. Rabotai, um, the world suddenly, when a person sees the world through this lens, the world shrinks. It becomes from something which is big, bad, and scary, difficult, impenetrable, you know, unconquerable. It becomes something which actually is completely within a human being's purview. Because you're not meant to be bigger than the size of your own skin. All you have to do is put out everything that you can, and then you've done your bit. And then the Torah will sing the praises of a person who went all out for a chesed that did nothing. Unbelievable. And the fact that one other time he did everything, Eshem. Hashem should help each and every one of us to achieve our maximum potential, to be able to give with energy, with devotion, with verve, with vigor. And through that process, if we feel like we have done everything we can, we can put our heads on the pillow at night thinking, I did everything that the Boreh Olam would have wanted me to do in my life. And Be'ezrat Hashem, through that, He'll give us unimaginable blessings. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Chananya, Ben Akash